0: Again, this is Avery Lee Williams, continuing with the uh, podcast series about uh, life in Furnace Village, Eastern Furnace section of our hometown in the uh, late 1940s, early 1950s. And uh, this week's uh, uh, edition is entitled uh, Furnace Village and World War II. At Pearl Harbor time, I was six and a half years old, and so have few specific memories of the day that will live in infamy. However, the day-to-day constraints to what have been the normal lifestyle remain sharp in my mind. It was a time to save anything and everything. Cigarettes were wrapped in tinfoil, and we collected it with a vengeance. Fat, for explosives, should be mentioned. But all old metal pots, pans, tools... Steam heat radiators, car parts, and old cars themselves were all scrapped to meet the war's needs, along with any other metal materials that could be found. Furnace Village was the poorer part of town, and most folks did at least a little farming. Victory Gardens were all the rage, but such backyard endeavors were common to us from decades before World War II. My dad hitched Candy, the quarter horse, to a small mold board plow and turned the soil over in our gardens. Once the soil was prepped, it was the job of Mum and us four kids to plant, weed, and harvest. It was an important leg up to have the gardens because rationing of foodstuffs led city dwellers and maybe even those living on small plots up in Northeastern without the plentiful supply of fresh veggies that we in the village had. mum canned veggies by the bushel. Our root cellar was lined with shelves of canned beans, corn, and tomatoes, as these were the money crops. Bread and butter pickles were a standard. Veggies like eggplant, broccoli, fancy greens, and such, just were not grown, never mind eaten by plain people like us. We raised lettuce, summer squash, and squish chard, but that was mostly eaten fresh. Blue Hubbard winter squash was the variety then grown, not butternut. That was stored in our root cellar along with carrots and beets, which were buried in dry sand. The sand would always find a way to cling to the carrots even after peeling, and the crunch of one's tooth coming down on a grain of sand still reverberates. Dad opened the big blue Hubbards with an axe. My dad was in the Citizens' Defense Corps, a part of the Office of Civil Defense, OCD. He was exempt from the draft, what with three... My sister thought he was not born till 1943. With three kids, and he worked in agriculture, managed a duck farm. They gave him an armband of white with some sort of official-looking insignia. An axe? a whistle, and a white bucket, the use of which was never clear to me. There were regular drills of his group. Dad never took them too seriously. The truth of the matter is the poor man had a drinking problem and probably showed up quite under the influence of the devil's brew. Part of his job was to see that autos had the top half of their headlights painted black, so German bombers could not easily see them after dark. Many citizens my dad included, added kerosene to their gas tanks to stretch the amount of fuel, causing the car to buck and smoke its way down the road. This practice was against the law and made a mess of the already overworked vehicles. Since no new car models were manufactured from 1943 through 1945, every car was wearing out without replacements available. Ford, General Motor, and Chrysler... The plants were busy making tanks, planes, and other war vehicles. Willie's Motors made the Jeep. Everything seemed to be rationed. For a kid, the lack of sugar was most painful. Mum made things approaching sweets with molasses. Not quite as good, but passable. We added molasses to a glass of cold, raw milk and enjoyed it. There was no butter, and we did not bother to churn our own. We used margarine. Was like a Crisco, like white semi-solid in a plastic bag. The bag contained a yellow vegetable dye that could be burst from the exterior of the bag. We kids then had the monotonous chore of kneading twee- the bag until the color diffused and looked something like butter. The dairy farmers had a strong union and demanded legislation to make this stupid task necessary. Every living body received a monthly body b- book of, of ration stamps, no matter what their age. My folks could get extra stamps by trading fresh veggies, milk, and meat for, for them from folks who had extra stamps and had no small farm on which to raise crops, etc. We did not have a cow and bought our milk at Gracie's Farm at the Five Corners. That's the land on which the Sunoco Station, the farmhouse in Shaws Plaza, the pasture land, now sits. We had a goat, however, and drank that milk for many years. To us, it always tasted a little like the goat smelled. With gas rationed, folks could not travel far, so entertainment was a local thing. People came to our small house for parties at least once a month. Other families took turns being host. We had a new phonograph player by Philco that was able to play the 78 RPM records of the day. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. Coming in on a wing and a prayer. It's been a long, long time. There'll be bluebirds over the white cliffs of Dober. I think that was the first world song. And my favorite came in at the end of the war. Don't Fence Me In by Gene Autry. That's the way I remember it anyway.